0: That, that I've had here in my life among you is the difference between the services. Uh, it's not been a, an insurmountable challenge, but all my life until I came here, I would preach there. But I always feel like it, I belong out here for this service. So that usually means that whatever I said in the early service is not exactly what I say in this one. Um, and every once in a while it doesn't happen every week, but every once in a while, the conversation between the services makes some of you anticipate what someone heard at 8:30. and you're not going to hear the same thing because I'm incapable of doing that twice, um, almost even if I stayed at the pulpit. But every week the sermon is recorded, and every week it is uploaded. Um, and so, I don't know how it works, but you younger ones do. It's out there, um, and, it, and usually it's the early one. So you get to hear this one, and if you're, if you're still wanting some more, you can go online and hear the early one. Now, let me remind us where we are on the third Sunday of Advent. Um, that there's actually a, 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 a logic and an understanding behind the path that we take in these four weeks before Christmas. And I'm as, as alert and aware of it as anyone in the world now that most of the world doesn't care <laughs> about Advent. And yet having been raised in this household all my life, I love Advent and I love delaying, if I can... The, the the joy that I experience at Christmas every year and I grew up in a family that kept the 12 days and so sit, Christmas just really didn't start for me as a kid until Christmas Eve and so Advent was like this you know and of course when I was little I was worried about being naughty and nice and what Santa Claus would bring right but the whole en- emphasis of it was anticipation but as I've said many times in the time that I've been among you as interim pastor, the, the prayers appointed for every Sunday in the church year, which are called collects, which just comes from the idea that somehow they collect up a theme. They collect up uh, an idea that is particular to that day. And I've shared with you before that you could get a pretty decent introductory theological education if all you did is... Once every week, during the week, one collect for one week, for 52 weeks. You prayed with, you stayed with, you looked at, you thought about, you prayed about what that prayer says. And if you did that for 52 weeks, you'd have a better education than some ordained men I've known. Um, because, because they were written in order to instruct us as well as to guide our prayers. Okay, so in the, 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 the Christian year, which starts on the first Sunday of Advent, we don't start our year with the world, even though I know how you are and I know how I am. New Year's Eve and New Year's Day have a cultural start, and I know that and experience that. But as a Christian, I'm not on the world's calendar. The the world is not wanting me to follow Jesus Christ. The world is not wanting me to honor God's holy word. The, The world is not wanting me to serve God above the state. But I'm called to serve God first. And so are you. Now, God has taught me that there are things I owe to the state. Because God says so. Right? So... I digress. The the point is that we started the year on the first Sunday in Advent, and we start with one of the most important messages that we'll ever hear, as long as we live. Hey, while you're still alive, if there's anything you need to deal with before you face your God, deal with it. Now, it's not put in that kind of language, is it? It says, you know, now in the time of this mortal life, while we're still alive put away the things that are of darkness the things that will make it impossible for you to stand confident before God while you're alive and the reason it comes up every year is cuz everybody has stuff everybody has stuff if if you knew and I knew that tomorrow was your day the last day you've got you got stuff I got stuff, right? So, Advent says, put it away now, because when you die, you can't put it away then. So, put it off and put it on. So, it's awakening to the cry of the first preaching of the gospel. When John the Baptist, who we remember on this third Sunday, when John the Baptist began to preach, he said, repent Israel. I know you think you're special. I know that God has called you. I know, I know, I know. But what you really need is to repent. Because the Lord is coming. And he sent me to prepare the way. And and you're not ready. And so that's what we hear. We hear a version of that on that first day of Advent. Um, Get ready. If you're not ready, get ready. You're still with us. You're still alive. Get ready now. And then the second Sunday of Advent, last week, What we hear in that prayer, which sets the theme, is if we're going to get ready, we've got to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest God's holy word. We've got to be Bible people. We've got to let God's word and God's will shape our understanding and thus our life. Because nothing else is going to get us ready. Nothing else is going to get us ready. So, in a sense, what it's challenging every single one of us to is, what are you doing with all that time? And what are you doing with all those influences? And what are you doing with all that stuff that's not getting you ready? Here's how to get ready. God has made his word available to you and to me and so that's what we hear okay if we're going to put off darkness and put on light then we've got to get familiar with what God says and what God says is not what you're going to hear from anyone but God you're not going to hear that any other other way than than from God and God's word has been given to us and then on the third week, and this can slide right by us. In fact, I would confess it slid by me for many, many years. But the, the next one, the one we're in right now, brings up John the Baptist. And so much of my life, all I ever thought about on the third Sunday in Advent was the funny guy in camel skins eating locusts out in the desert. And, and, and what a weirdo. You know, when I was a little kid. And how different and how strange. And, and yet, as a man of faith, when I hear about John the Baptist, I get excited because he was called by God. He was a messenger of God. He was raised up by God after there had been a great gap of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in Israel. And a voice cries out in the wilderness. And as we heard Jesus say today, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a rhetorical way. And in a kind of. Um, I mean he knows the answer. He's asking questions. They're all going to say no. No. But they are going to end up saying. Well yeah. I, we think he was a prophet. Um, but then he says. But I'm telling you. He's more than a prophet. He's the one. Preparing for me. He's the one who has been assigned by God the final task, the final task in the covenant with Israel, to prepare a people ready to receive the Lord. And Jesus will go on to say, one verse after the the appointed reading today, he'll go on to say that of all the people ever born up to today, no one is greater than John the Baptist. But the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And that's worth praying on and thinking about. So what this third Sunday in Advent was all about 500 years ago when our when our when our ancestors were breaking free from centuries of confusion about what God wanted from his people and were acting in great bravery and with great courage and and some of them losing their lives, men and women losing their lives, lay and ordained losing their lives, even bishops losing their lives for the discovery of the gospel of Jesus Christ and its unique, glorious message. And and at that time, what they put in this third Sunday in Advent was, church, pray for messengers of God to be raised up by God in your generation. The collect, though it acknowledges the gift of prophets in times past, and though it alludes to John the Baptist, goes on to ask that God would raise up messengers and stewards of the gospel now, to speak to the people of God now. And so in a sense, every congregation in the Anglican world in all 157 nations today, or if it was today, yesterday, if you who know the international dateline thing, Everywhere in the world, we are bidden to pray that God will raise up ministers who will be faithful to the gospel and be sent to us. So that happens every year on the third Sunday in Advent. But this year it happened on listening day. And I know that Ryan knew all this, and that's why he planned it. Actually, I didn't know it either when we planned it. That we would actually have the listening day to have the opportunity to speak to the search committee about the search for the next rector, the next minister who will be responsible to God for the life of this church. And of all the things that he will be responsible for, it is fidelity to God and God's word. He won't be called to be faithful to our traditions if they're at all out of whack. Or in error or astray. He won't be called to be uh, to help make a better diocese of South Carolina, although he might have that as a part of his calling. He will be here to be accountable to God that the Word of God is spoken, that the Word of God is heard and listened to and lived by any who consider themselves faithful and any who are called to lead along with him. And so it's the thing that happens to all of us all the time. We come in here, we love worshipping together, we love being in this space. Many of us, many of us, I speak for myself, dearly, dearly, dearly love the traditions of our family, our Anglican family. we will read the prayers or we'll hear the prayers or we'll listen to the scriptures and we'll feel comforted but we won't be paying attention. Am I the only one that that ever happens to? I don't think so. So I really ask you to take deeply into your heart and your life this week what we've already prayed because we are standing before God and asking for the next leader of this parish. And we, if, we, if we want what God wants for this parish, as opposed to what we want, we want a messenger from God. We, we want someone who will be instantly correctable if you bring to his attention that he is straying from the word of God. That that will always get his attention immediately, and if you're right, it will get his repentance. But he's called to be a messenger, and he's called to give an account to God, and he will give an account to God, and he'll give a double account. He won't be a he won't he won't have the same same uh, interrogatories as Bill will have, or 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 Mike will have, or 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 Herman will have. He's going to have. I called you to this. And I have a double standard for you. A double standard. Because I called you to teach my word. Not yours. And not the ideas of men. And not the ideas of a political party. And not the ideas of any earthly institution. I called you to be a messenger of my word. And... To shepherd the flock who hear my voice. So it's a double it's a double assignment. And it's a it's it's a sacred assignment. If we the vestry are charged under our tradition and our history, the vestry are charged with the absolute responsibility uh, to, to determine and eventually decide who to call. It's their unique duty to be the, 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 the agency of the call to the next minister. And as is the custom they've, they've shared, they're sharing that with a search committee. They're not giving it away to the search committee. It's a vestry that has to decide. But they are trusting a wider group of men and women to be a part of that process. Um, but we mustn't think that it's just them because the most important thing that could be going on is that we are praying. That we are praying that God would bring the minister that God wants here. The messenger that God wants here. And, and so we, we cooperate in that. We, we, we've got a stake in that. And if we're faithful in that, God hears prayers. Prayers change things. And so I, I appeal to you all again, don't let it get away from you, that we're praying for guidance for the search committee, we're praying for guidance for the vestry, we're praying for God to be gracious to us. We have so much to be thankful for, we, we do, we have so much to be thankful for. Years ago when I was quite a lot younger, I, because I was leading a church in Knoxville, Tennessee, that was flourishing outwardly, it looked, it looked pretty impressive. And when you lead a pretty impressive church, people start thinking you might be a good bishop, which is a terrible mistake, (laughs) because you can be very good at leading a parish church and very bad at being a bishop. Um, And I got into a number of, of, of those elections, and I never enjoyed one of them, not once. And I always felt that when I didn't get elected, I dodged the bullet. Uh, and finally, I said to my spiritual director one time, I'm not going to let my name be in any longer. I'm not going through this again. I'm not called to that. I'm called to do what I'm doing. But, but one time when I was in the election uh, for a new bishop for Georgia, uh, Georgia in the Episcopal days was divided into two dioceses, Atlanta and the northern part of the state, and then the southern and the old the old diocese was the southern part, and it was they were looking for a new bishop, and I was a finalist, and we were being um, trotted around all the little towns and all the little parishes and introduced to people before the election, and we were take I was taken to meet with the bishop, um, the old bishop who was retiring, and he was a dear man, a, a lovely a lovely guy, and. He told a story to me that I've never forgotten and I want to apply it to the search for our new rector. Uh, He said when he was a young seminarian, um, his diocese, wherever it was, was going to elect a new bishop. And he was at the convention, as some of us were recently. And um, they went all day and did not have an election. And so all the delegates and all the people participating had to stay overnight so they could reconvene in the morning. And the bishop, old bishop, took the opportunity to ask all the seminarians to come to his room after dinner and just have a time with these young guys that were training to be clergy. And, uh, and they were all riled up and all involved in the politics, you know. And, and at, at some point, uh, one of them said to the, to the old bishop um, um, something in which he used the phrase, um, the bishop that God has chosen that we'll find the bishop that God has chosen. And the old bishop who was retiring said, son, we're not looking for a bishop that God has chosen. We're looking for a man who God will make a bishop. Now if you think, you have to think about it a little bit maybe, especially me feeling sad on the day after Navy beat Army. My mind's on football. Every time I see Vince, I think football, darn it. (laughs) He was the first to tell me that Army lost. Um, But I didn't get to watch the game, all of it. But, um, yeah, so the the point is this. It's not like there's someone out there that, that, that God has stamped and said, you're going to be the next rector of Christ the King Grace. But somebody out there is going to be. And God has to make him a rector. God has to make him a good shepherd. God has to teach him. He may or may not have a lot of experience. We don't know in, at this moment. But I know this, that God will want to teach him to be a good shepherd. And that will be a journey that he shares with you. And me too, I hope. Um, but that will be a growing thing. But what mustn't be a mystery to us is he a man of God. Is God first in his life or not? That can't be hidden for very long. And that needs to be discovered in the search. And then does he love his wife and his family with all his heart? Because God has given them to him. And that can't be hidden either if you do due diligence. And then is he submitted to the word of God? Is he or is he not? No one that'll be a candidate will not be able to talk like a clergyman. They might know Greek. They might know Hebrew. They might know a lot of church history. They might be able to have theological disputations about predestination. But It's not very long in a conversation before you can discover if someone is submitted to the word of God or not. And um, that's critical. Now, if a young man is called, he'll have a lot to learn about running a church. If If he's already been in charge of one, he'll know a lot. But some of the best candidates may have never been in charge before. But they'll be in charge once they're brought here under God and be responsible to God as well as having to work with the leadership of the church and the whole church. Um, So don't stop praying that, that out of all the candidates, the ones that start to be looked at carefully are men of God called to be shepherds It'll be easy for a lot of people to be interested in this job now. Um, And that's not what we want. We want someone who loves God and whose heart begins to awaken to the thought of the privilege it would be to learn to shepherd this parish. And, um, And I speak as one who has had this privilege. As an interim Um, but nothing matters more from here on out than that we pray that the Holy Spirit guide the vestry and the search team and that we keep it in our prayers Lord send us a messenger send us send us a messenger bring us a messenger make a man the Shepherd you want for us here and and if you if you'd be so pleased Lord let him be here a good long while That's my hope and prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for all the goodness and grace that you have showered upon this parish through all the years. We thank you for the beginnings and the various ways that we began. We thank you for the men that have led before. We thank you for Ed and Jeff and and Christopher and Tim and we ask, dear Lord, that you would grant in the fullness of time, by the guidance of your Spirit, the choice of the vestry, and that together with them, that new, that new arrival, when it happens, together with them, we would learn to be ever more faithful as a people of your possession, as a people being prepared for your purposes, as a people ready and eager. To see you face to face. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.